Have you got the mic, Mark? Is he Mark or Mark? Anyway, you guys don't get it. <laughs> or you just don't like the joke, either way. I want to um, just introduce what we're going to do, is that um, instead of having one 25, 30-minute message, we're going to have three times seven-minute messages. How does that sound? Yay. Interesting. Cool. And we're calling plus minus is clear. Probably more pluses than minuses. But it is interesting in that we're going to even have a little countdown time, and not to put pressure on them, but essentially to put pressure on them. Um, but really, we just want to uh, give different voices opportunities to, to get exposed to what it means to preach and, um, and to be able to, for us, to just uh, hear different voices. And so that's something we're going to do today. I'm going to quickly do a little bit of introductions of you guys. Mark, tell us um, a little bit in like a, a quick moment. Who's your family? Uh, who you're part of? Firstly, go for it. Uh, yeah, my name is Mark, and I'm married to Shireen for, I'm going to get this wrong, I think it's about 15 years now. Um, we have three children together. Um, the eldest is Emma, and um, Rebecca is nine. And Benjamin is six, three years apart for each of them. Brilliant. Yeah. Favorite thing to do when you're not working? Oh, I love I love to surf. I love surfing, and I get a bit of a bike ride. And Adrian's trying to convince me to go in the mountains with him. Save me. <laughs> What's the signal for Mark if his mic starts getting a little low and we can't hear him anymore? What do we do? Do we just like put your hand up? Just go like this. Everybody together, go like that, and then you just know Mark will do. There we go, and you'll see Brent over there. Um, Claire, tell us about your family. Um, I'm married to Grant over there, also known as Furry, and um, I have an eight-year-old boy, Furry, give Leo, us one of these. <laughs> and a three-year-old daughter, Joey. And your favorite thing to do when you're not working? Oh, geez, when is there time for anything else? For working, parenting, yeah, um, on, Zumba. I'm Zumba, wow, and I see you running on the promenade every now and again. So fast that you can't even, if you drive too quickly, she shoots past. Jess, I how think we need you? a Zumba demo. Yes. <laughs> Who wants a Zumba demo? Oh, Jen, there's only one of you. Jess, tell us about your family. Um, so I'm married to Paul, um, and we have little Adam, who's almost two, actually. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Your favorite thing to do during the week? Uh, I love Besides. cooking. Oh. Yeah. And Adam's now joining me in the kitchen, which has been a wonderful and terrifying thing for our family. <laughs> wow, you are a very brave person. Not only is she brave to come preach, he's brave enough to let her little one cook. Um, so uh, we're going to, the brief to these guys was, you've got seven minutes to pick a verse, uh, one verse from Joshua 1 through 3, and, uh, and really to to trust God that as you study this thing, that one verse would come alive and that there would be something in it that would serve us and inspire us and, and speak to us. And so that's really what they're going to do. I um, have given them the brief. They're not doing long introductions. They are getting up, they're taking the mic, and they are going to preach. Um, the context of Joshua 1 through 3, so that they don't have to keep introducing it every time, is you've got the people of Israel who have been... Um, Wandering in the desert for 40 years. This is kind of going, you know, if you go all the way back, you've got Abraham. He gets a promise that he is going to be a nation who's going to bless many nations. And so Abraham has uh, three, he has a son who has another son, Isaac and Jacob. And, uh, and then Jacob has these 12 sons who live in uh, Egypt and they multiply radically. 
and they've got this promise from Abraham that basically uh, the whole of Genesis 11, Babylon, all that stuff is going to be undone and God is going to restore the world to the way that it's meant to be and he's going to use a nation called Israel to bring Eden back and they're filled with promise and these are a rebellious people and so the first gap they get to get into the promised land they don't take it. And so they spend 40 years wandering in the desert, wondering what's next until Joshua is brought into, uh, Moses uh, kind of passes away. Joshua becomes the, the leader, the commander in chief of Israel. And God says, okay, this is our gap. We are going to come and occupy the land that was promised to you a long time ago and that is rightfully yours and that this is going to be the place where not only do I bless you, but you are going to be a blessing and you're going to show the world that I am the one true God and we're going to do the world good and the world is going to be different and Eden will be restored and actually from your seed is going to come one who will ultimately bring this new life to, to, to pass. But it gets pretty practical because they're on the other side of the Jordan and they've got to move into this promised land and it's a big group of people. <clears throat> so now is this time where they are crossing over. They're going to live into these promises and face some of their fears. And this is a big moment in the life of Israel. It's a big moment in the life of Joshua. And it's a big moment in the life of these three guys as they get to speak into some of the verses that have meant the most to them. So, with no further ado, with a round of applause, let's welcome Jess. Have you guys heard of imposter syndrome before? It's also called like perceived fraudulence, and it has to do with basically feelings of self-doubt um, or incompetence. And it's something that I've actually had to face quite a lot in my life. Um, a few highlight moments include when I got my first teaching job, um, when I became a mom, and most recently when I was asked to prep for the sermon. Um, my head and my heart just flood up with doubt and fear, and I feel like I'm just waiting for someone to catch me out. Like, if they really knew who I was, there's no way that they would trust me to educate a bunch of teenagers for their final exams or leave the hospital with a tiny, helpless baby with no adult supervision. Um, and it's, it's in these moments that I'm trying to learn this discipline of bringing myself back and thinking of how many unlikely role players there were and are in God's story. Um, and there are so many throughout the Bible, these everyday people who God uses to do really cool things. Um, and I want to chat about one of those people today. Um, her name is Rahab, and we learn about her in Joshua 2. So Joshua is about to um, bring the Israelites into um, Canaan, and he sends two spies ahead of them to go and sort of check things out. And obviously these spies are in a fair amount of danger, right? They need to be hidden and protected. And the woman who takes them in, her name is Rahab, and she is who some might perceive to be an unlikely role player in God's story. She's a woman, she is a Canaanite, and she's a prostitute, okay? And yet we see in her story that God not only has business to do with her, but also good works to do through her. She's referred to as Rahab the prostitute in so many texts and so many commentaries. And that might seem like a title that God might want to steer clear of. Um, and it made me think of the kind of 
disqualifying labels or titles we might give ourselves, right, to excuse ourselves, to make ourselves feel like imposters in God's story. Um, maybe it's George the drunk, maybe it is Sophie the slob, maybe it's Alex the failure, maybe it's Jess the just super average. Um, maybe you feel like your past is too sordid or your heart is too broken or your fear is too big or your faith is too small for God to know you or love you or use you. Um, and I'm here today to remind all of us, myself very much included, that this is simply not true. Um, there aren't actually any imposters in the kingdom because we all fall short, and yet we all have access to unending grace. And that's because of who God is, not because of who we are. And that's because of what Jesus has done, not because of anything we have or haven't done. And so no matter where you have come from this morning, no matter what season you are in, no matter what labels you are carrying around with you, you can have access to the one true God because the work has been done already. And even though I know this and believe this to be true, and even though I try really hard to walk my life with Christ, there are moments, um, many moments, when I'm reading my Bible or listening to a sermon or contemplating the greatness of God, and I just get completely overwhelmed. Um, I hear miraculous stories, and I hear of heroes of faith, and I hear the call to be more Christ-like, and sometimes it, it's so awe-inspiring, but at other times it is so humbling, and uh, it invokes fear and, and a sense of incompetence in me. Um, Rahab actually describes this really well for me in Joshua chapter 2. She's chatting to um, the spies and telling them about these stories of God and the Canaanites that have sort of, I mean, and the Israelites that have filtered their way back to Canaan. And um, in Joshua 2 verse 11, she says, When we heard of it, these miraculous stories of God, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now, Rahab and the Canaanites had every reason for their hearts to be melting in fear. They've heard stories of this God who has parted seas, who has defeated strong and powerful nations, and they know that they're coming next, right? And I understand those who would have wanted to run in the opposite direction, um, but that's not what Rahab does. She says yes. She hears these stories of God, and her, her, fear, her heart doesn't melt in fear, and her courage doesn't fail. She stands firm. She accepts the truth that God is God. Despite her standing in society, despite her nationality, despite her past, she accepts that the God of the Israelites is God Almighty. She doesn't wait until she's established a new career path or built up a really good church attendance record. She just says yes right where she is. And I feel like she totally puts to shame the silly excuses that I come up with to not say yes all the time, right? Because imposter syndrome often leads to postponement syndrome. And so we feel like, oh, I just need to sort out X, Y, and Z, and then I'll be able to say a bigger or better yes to God. I just need to get through this busy month, or get on top of this admin, get my toddler sleeping through the night, heal from this generational trauma, and then I'll be able to be part of God's story. But that is not what God wants or needs from us. He doesn't want us to try and sort our lives out. It's actually in the midst of those daily struggles and the chaos 
where the kingdom story is unfolding, where the work actually needs to be done. Our little family is going through quite a, a challenging season at the moment. We're in the midst of dealing with something big and hard, and we have just been so blessed by this network of role players in God's story who have said yes to God in such beautiful ways. We have received meals dropped off at our home. We have received check-in calls. We've received um, people praying for us, sending us verses, remembering important dates in our calendar. Um, just this week, Claire had a, a client cancel on her, and she used that time to pray for me. Um, and it's just the most incredible thing to see these everyday but extraordinary people who are saying yes to being role players in God's story. And my family is getting to experience God's love and mercy through these people. And it's just such a beautiful, powerful thing. Um, even though we might be deceived by our self-doubt, which is a tool that the enemy loves to use against us, we are not imposters in the kingdom. Our hearts need not melt in fear. Our courage need not fail us because we are his and all we need to do is say yes, firstly to forgiveness and salvation, and then we need to say yes, and it's a yes we'll have to say over and over again, um, to being role players in God's story. And that's not to say we will have it all figured out and that we won't make mistakes. It's not saying that we are expecting to live free from trials and troubles, but we are saying yes to the ever-transformative work that God has to do in and through us, and we're saying yes to oneness with our maker. How did I do, guys? I almost 1.5'd it at the end. Stay here. Deserved a longer applause if it was that good. But it's a now word, and I don't want to lose the focus. And I'm going to ask Jess to pray for us. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes because a now word means there's something now happening. And postponement means I'll process that later. <laughs> And it's so easy to go, I'll process that later when probably while Jess was speaking, one or two things popped into your head and went, this is a now moment. This is a, this is a right now thing. And so while Jess prays for you, I want to ask you to close your eyes and, and let that sense of what is my now faith moment? What is the now thing? Who's the person I need to call? What's the thing I need to do? What's the prayer I need to pray to, to draw a line in the sand and not play the postponement game? but to play the trust game today and move towards the God of Israel. Over to Jess. God, I ask that you will right now call to mind, call into our hearts the, the disqualifying labels or the excuses that we need to let go of this morning. Will you make us aware of the things that are stopping us from saying yes to you? God, I ask that that we will be bold in our yeses this week. Thank you that you want to include us as role players in your story, no matter where we've come from. Thank you that we can ask for your forgiveness, whether it's the first time today or the hundredth time today. And thank you that you show up every time. Thank you that you know our gifts and our flaws and our failures and our fears, and yet you still want us to be part of your story. Will you transform us, God, now and in the days and weeks ahead? Thank you that we are yours. Thank you that you love us so much. Amen. Amen. Now to the Zumba queen.
herself. Demo, demo. <laughs> Let's give her a round of applause. Great to have you, Claire. So the Israelites were on the brink of the promised land. They've come from this beautiful place called Shittim. <laughs> they were <laughs> looking at the land that was promised to them, to their, from their, to their forefathers and generations before. A land that they were told was going to be flowing with milk and honey. Finally, provision, rest for their weary bodies. Direction, no more wandering around in circles. Just a place to call home. How sweet this must have sounded to a lost people. And as much as they had a literal promised land, this can be translated for us in the new covenant as our inheritance too, the things God is calling us to, where our hearts will be satisfied in him, where there's rest for us from striving, where there's abundant life and fullness of joy, intimacy with him, just a place where we can hear his voice and he directs our paths. But there was something standing in their way, and it was the Jordan River. And we told in, 15, in verse 15 that it was in flood and there were no bridges. So they must have thought, how are we going to overcome this one? How devastating that the promised land was right there, but just out of reach. And I want to suggest that we also come up against obstacles that stand in our way of stepping into all that God has for us. It can be different for each one of us, but I want to shine a spotlight on two things that have been relevant for me and maybe some of you can relate. So the question really is, what holds us back from walking in the calling that God has on our lives? The first thing I want to talk about is being in a comfort zone. So I know it sounds like a cliche, but it, it really is a thing. Um, Fari and I have been in a life group for like three or four years now. We're with Mark and Shireen. And um, yeah, we just absolutely love it there. We're part of the furniture. We know everyone and everyone's stories. We feel so comfortable and it really is our happy place. But a couple of months ago, some of the leaders started talking to us about possibly breaking away and co-leading a group of our own. And we have been resisting hard. <laughs> it's, you know, all the questions came up, but like, what if we don't have enough time in the week to prep? What if it's just too much with the kids? What if people ask us hard questions that we can't answer? Um, but we feel like finally God is um, saying, just step into this. This is a new season for you of growth because there can be no growth in that comfort zone. And we've realized that it's not what God wants from us, but it's really what he wants for us. And um, so to those of you or us who are missing out because we're, in, we're just too comfortable, I believe God wants to say, come, follow me. Don't build your life on these temporary comforts, but rather all those things will be added if you just seek my kingdom and my righteousness first. And the second thing that I think holds us back from taking hold of all God has for us is maybe a deeper one, it's something that we can't always name or even explain, and that is shame. Brené Brown, who does a lot of work in this area, talks about shame being the intensely painful experience of believing that we are inherently bad or flawed, and that we don't deserve love or belonging. We're not worthy of it. It's a toxic emotion, it's paralyzing, it never leads to positive change, and I really don't believe God wants, to, uh, wants us to live in shame. Jesus said that he came not to condemn, but to save. And I've lived under a dark cloud of shame for probably the last 10 years as I've navigated the effects of an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Maybe for some of you, it can be substances as well, but it can also be past regrets, identity issues, sexuality choices, feelings of unworthiness going back to childhood, perfectionism, 
The list goes on. But you know what God said to me, and I believe he's saying to you today, he spoke to me out of Isaiah 61, and he said, I will take your shame, and I will give you a double portion. And not only that, he, he said, I will give you everlasting joy. Isn't that a bargain? I was only too happy to make that exchange. But I had to hand it over. I had to surrender it. And the double portion refers to what you get in return for what you forfeit. And I thought I was giving up fun and the good times and all that comes with drinking wine. But what he did is he gave me double joy in its place. He has been so, so kind to me. My heart really is full, and my cup is overflowing, and it's not with wine. <laughs> After many years of struggling and just feeling stuck in that cycle of sin and shame, he has made so good on his promise, and he is so faithful, and he's given my life a new purpose. His word says, do not hold fast to the former things. I've put a new song in your mouth. I want to encourage you, hand it over to him because he is sovereign and his grace is sufficient. None of us are without sin, but we have a savior who is. He has paid the ransom, all eyes on the spotless lamb. Surrender to him all those hurts, all those past mistakes. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. He loves you so much and he really does have a plan to prosper you and to give you hope and future. Man, I'm just so grateful that he loves us so much, not to leave us as we are, but he breaks in and he does something new in our lives. But to get back to the story, so you see God had a plan to get them through this river, through this obstacle. He told Joshua to send the priests ahead of the people and they had to hold the Ark of the Covenant above their heads for all to see. Now the Ark was the physical representation of God's presence with them. So as the priests stepped into the water, lo and behold, the water just parted like it did at the Red Sea. So I want to put it to you today. Keep looking ahead. Set your eyes on God and find yourself in his presence. Don't look back at your past. Don't look down in shame. Don't look around to all your comforts. But step with confidence and boldness into all that God has for you. Put that other verse up, if you wouldn't mind, the double portion, and just as Mark's coming up, I want you to log that, because uh, Claire invited us into an exchange, a trade. You bring your shame and your comfort, and you get a trade of double portion. It's a remarkable, beautiful part of the gospel, and um, I want us to log that, just that language, double portion, that as you give the worst of yourself, the stuff you regret the most, so God comes and brings a double portion. And uh, Claire, thank you for that. I, I really want us to log that because we're going to take some time afterwards and that, that concept needs faith brought to it. And, and I want us to really log it in our hearts as we um, move towards a bit of a response moment afterwards. One of the finest surfers on the West Coast, Sunset Beach, local, over to Mark Trump. Let's just, let's just pray quickly. Heavenly Father, we just uh, all surrender ourselves to you to uh, give, give the word and to hear and receive it. We surrender to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, Joshua 3, 9, and Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And I want to tell you today that uh, in the presence of Jesus, in relationship with him, uh, through his righteousness, that we receive the word of God. And in doing so, we enter into God's plans for our lives 
including our inheritance. And last week, we were camping on the banks of the Rafi Sauna End. Uh, it was cold and chilly. We were told not to go, but we went anyway. My three kids, uh, aged 12, 9, and 6, went with me uh, for a bike ride. And we jumped on our bikes, and we headed off to the muddy, sandy track winding through the apple orchards. And it was amazing at first. We were riding through the puddles, racing. We even stopped to eat some apples off the trees. Um, but when the first shoe got completely wet, and it started to rain, and the little bodies got tired and cold, and there were a few tears and some scared protesting, it was the day before Father's Day, and it was a perfect scene for me to come along. And I came along inside them, and I started to speak with them. And I said things like, no, lovey, it's just spitting. It's not raining. <laughs> I know it's tough, sweetheart, but the more we stop, the wetter we're going to get. Don't give up now, my boy. We're four kilometers in. we just got a short way to go. Go to the right of the paddle there. Go, go. It looks firmer. Go fast. Go, go, go. And uh, I'd get alongside them, and I'd put my hand on their back, and I'd push them like this, and they'd get their tails up and go whizzing off again. Um, and, you know, it was my, my being there, my confidence and my perspective and my words that brought them home for some lunch and some hot chocolate. <laughs> and Joshua brings the word to the people. It wasn't dissimilar for Joshua and the people. Um, I was bringing my words to the kids to bring them home safely, and Joshua was bringing God's word to the people to bring them into inheritance, to the promised land. And, and for us today, guys, Jesus is our true and better Joshua. Joshua received the word from God and was present with the people as he brought it. That's what he did. But Jesus is the word of God, and he's present with us and in us. And he's still present with us. John 14, 21, 23, Jesus says he manifests himself to, makes his home with those who love him and obey his words. So Jesus makes himself close to us. How does he make himself close to us? We will know him through the Holy Spirit. John 16, 16 says, A little while and you will see me no longer. And again a little while and you will see me. He's not talking about the second coming. Jesus is saying we will know his presence through the Holy Spirit. He even explains to his disciples that for now at least, because heaven will be different, that we're better off having the Holy Spirit present with us than Christ himself present with us. Think about that. The Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts and is always present with us, which means that Jesus is too. The Spirit declares the word to us. In John 16, 13, it talks of the Spirit of truth guiding us into all truth as he brings the words of Jesus and the Father declaring them to us. Do you see it? Jesus is present, present by the Holy Spirit, and he brings the word to us. The Israelites received the word of God through Joshua on the banks of the river, and for me and you on our little bicycles, yeah, in the mud, in the cold and wet, tired and scared, and we receive and are receiving Jesus, the living, a present word in our hearts. What a deal, guys, what a deal. And what does the word do for us? Well, salvation. The first time we probably receive the word of God is the time that it grips our hearts, right? And in that moment, we, we receive it and we believe it. And it frees us from the power of sin and death. And in that moment, we are saved. It's the first time we receive it. 
what else does the word do? Well, as we walk with God, God time and time again will free us from the trappings of sin, time and time again, as Claire pointed out. And we spend large, uh, large parts of our life stuck in, in mud, cold, wet puddles of sin. But in the presence of Jesus, with the power of his word to us, he's able to free us. You know, and this isn't a display of human strength. No, 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 no. It's a display of the powerful words of a father that loves his children so much that he wants to save us and set us free and bring us home. And not only that, not only does the word of God help us with sin, but it brings us truth. Words of truth which are stalled in our hearts and the Holy Spirit uses these words to form us into the likeness of Jesus. And guys, I looked. I looked for these verses. These are amazing. I'm not, you can get them from me afterwards. I found verses for each of the following, and these verses show that in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, these truths are found. Identity, sons and daughters. Belonging, a family, family God's family. We belong to God. Forgiveness, I forgive you, my son. I forgive you, my daughter. Uh, being loved and having a sense of nearness. Lasting satisfaction. Dad, I'm so glad you're my dad. Access to a personal, powerful, wise counselor. Baby, stay left. Go, 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 foster, foster. A powerful prayer life, personal holiness, and a life that bears fruit. Again, this is not evidence of our great potential, but evidence of the power of the word and a God who fulfills his promise to complete the word that he started in you. And not only that, not only that, our continuous receiving of the word brings us home to receive our inheritance. What inheritance? Well, the Israelites receive the land. We receive the world. Our biggest gift and inheritance is God himself. God himself. And we have also given eternal bodies that we might enjoy God in. So what am I saying? All this to say, Jesus is calling you into his presence. Joshua called the people closer to hear the word of God. And Jesus is calling you too. He's calling you into his presence by the Holy Spirit to receive the words of the Father. And let us be in his presence. Talk to him. Spend time with him. As I pointed out in John, he is right there. Sometimes we treat him like he's not. He's right there. In your heart. And how do we approach this moment or these moments during the day? And I thought about this. The heart position of... I'm in Jesus. Not I'm in my holiness of yesterday or, my, or I'm in my sin of yesterday. No, no, no. I'm in the righteousness of Jesus. And therefore, we can always come with confidence. And Jesus calls us into his presence to receive, to receive the words of the Father. Words to save, words to free, words to form, words that will complete you. His work started in you. Why? So that your life can reflect his glory and his goodness. So that the world would know his goodness. So what I'm largely talking about here is, is the reading of scripture, saturating your heart in God's word in the presence of Jesus. And what I see is the Holy Spirit of God grabbing this reservoir of the word of God in your heart and bringing you life. Sometimes just as you read it, sometimes a week later, a month, or even a year later, years later, and you might find that the more that you put the word of God in your heart, the more you receive it. And the more that you receive it, the more that you are brought into his likeness and his plans and in his ways.
So in closing, I want to remind you of the uh, Jesus call, like the call of Joshua. Be in my presence. Come in my righteousness and receive the words of your Father. Amen. Let's stand together. The band are going to lead us in a song. I want you to stay focused because I know I've heard a lot from God this morning. Um, Jess reminded us that probably all of us have felt like imposters at one time or another. And Rahab models immediate faith right now. And, um, and Claire so beautifully spoke to us about bringing our comforts and our shame to God and trading it for a double portion of His grace. Who doesn't want a double portion? <laughs> I know who. People who cling to their own stuff, who cling to control. Jess urged us to let go, to, to actually hold on to Jesus and let go of the grasp of the control, our reputations, the stuff we so badly think we can't live without. The only problem is, as you grow and trust in Jesus, you realize the one thing you can't live without is a double portion. And Mark told us, come near. It's a kind of beautiful closing. You want your double portion, come near and listen to the words of God. Come near and listen to the words of God. This morning as we sing, maybe you want to sing as a prayer. Maybe you want to pray whilst we sing. But I do want to call us to bring faith to God to come near and listen to the words of God. I want to give a round of applause to those guys who preached so beautifully. Can we do that? Well done, guys. <laughs> Father, as we sing, we give you glory and we ask you to continue to speak to us. We draw near to listen to your words, to receive a double portion and to let go of our imposter syndrome and to trust that we are welcome in your beautiful presence. Let's sing. <laughs>